Well, welcome y'all to the Dental and Mental Podcast. I'm Dr. Galen Dietrich. I'm Dr. Davina Dietrich. And here we are, yet again, episode siete. Are we on seven? Yes. I think we are. I think we are. Uh, today, I have a question for you, babe. We're going to start out with something that is a curveball, because uh, you have no idea what we're talking about today, and I didn't either, but I was like, you know what? This is where I want to start. Okay. Well, here we go. You're yeah. hearing it first with, with me. Get your, get your bat ready. Get mm-hmm. ready to swing. Might right. strike. We don't know. What is it that Thrive does? I had this question earlier today. I was oh, yeah. I was being interviewed on another podcast. Yep. And I was also talking to a couple of members of our team. And I watched one of the one of the uh, games yesterday with Dev. And this topic just kept coming back up because of a lot of things that we're working on. And it's the question of like, we know, we think we know as a team that this is really what we do well. But do people know? And if we were going to say, what is it? So what does Thrive do? Uh, so Thrive, this is what, this is what I think we do. This is, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is what I think we do. Thrive teaches skill set, mindset, and data set so that you can build a practice that is in alignment with your lifestyle. Okay. Let's do some definitions here. What is the definition of a lifestyle? Okay, so, that that is a charged word. Yeah. Okay. So your lifestyle is how you want to live your life. It's it's that simple. So we have lifestyle as it's so, shown on social media. You have to have X Y Z. You need to go on this amount of vacations. You need to have this number of designer items. You need to have this kind of car, right? So we have that, which is very much the social media type of lifestyle. But lifestyle is really a personal choice on how you and your family, you and your significant other, you and the people that you care about in your life want to design how you live your life, how you spend your time, what your priorities are, and how those are a reflection of your choices, how you spend your money, what you learn, all of that. So I think lifestyle looks really different to a lot of people. Lifestyle can look like I want to have enough money to retire my partner so they can stay at home and raise our raise our family, right? Lifestyle can look like, you know what? I want to travel every single weekend. I want to go and climb all the most amazing mountains that the world has to offer. Do you? Lifestyle can look like I want a collection of Bentleys. Do you, right? Lifestyle gets to be people, <laughs> she's talking about real people. <laughs> Lifestyle gets to be a reflection of your value set. I think that I love that right there. Um you said earlier, we 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 talked about this before but Skill set, data set, mindset. That is where Thrive focuses its teaching. But what you're really building is an asset. And that asset is your lifestyle. It's what you get to give. It's a legacy, right? It's what you said. It's a collection of the values, the value sets that you have. It is a, an expression of who you are. And it's truly like, if, if no other better way of putting it, it's the thing that you build over the course of your life. It is the style of the life that you've built. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Where, where do you think people get tripped up on that? Because I think we have a concept of what lifestyle is. I certainly have raised, raised my hand first of being somebody who has compared my life to others and said, Did I, am I, have I reached it yet? You know, Am I enough? Have I done enough? Where are we going wrong with the lifestyle question? As a society, but more specifically as dentists. Well, I I can't answer for dentists, but I will say where I think we're going wrong individually 
is not actually looking internally and saying, what is it that I want? What is a reflection of my values? We're looking peripherally and saying, what is that person doing? Is that what success means? Therefore, I better have that so that I can make sure that I'm successful as well. It's the age old keeping up with the Joneses. I think that's where we go wrong when we're looking at lifestyle. It's like a prescription. What do you think you have in order to be successful or defined as successful? And I think the people who are doing it completely different are the people who are like, this is what I want no matter what, no matter what other people say, no matter what other people think, no matter the judgment around it. We talked about this and this is not actually related to the conversation, but it kind (laughs) of is. We talked about, you and I were talking about this the other day. So I really love fashion. I love the houses. I love the history. I love all of it. But something interesting that's happened is Adam Sandler, of all people, has become this fashion icon. Just an absolute (laughs) sensation. He he does have some pretty bespoke style. He is a sensation. Right there are days at schools. Adam Sandler days. Dressed like Adam Sandler. He is... Right. right? Adam Sandler has now become a A fashion icon. Yes. A whole type. Without even trying. A whole (laughs) style. Right? He He is a whole style in himself. And it's very interesting because you and I were talking about this and I said the reason why people gravitate so much to it is because it's 100% him. He's not trying to be like anybody else. Adam Sandler is 100% doing him from a fashion perspective. So when you see basketball shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and (laughs) he's got shoes and he's ready to ball at any moment, that is very much him. Yeah. Right. And so there's something that happens when you are a hundred percent who you want to be and it's not for anybody else other than yourself, you become very magnetic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so applying the Adam Sandler vibe towards the idea of building a lifestyle, that's it. What is it? What does it mean to you? What are the memories that you're going to have when you're at the end of your life and you're like, I did that well. I'm so happy I did that. That is a true reflection of something that meant everything to me that I poured my heart and soul into that I used my money for that right it's it's that it's not looking over and saying okay if this is the car or the house that I need to have to be able to achieve or to be in the in crowd then I guess I better do that that leaves a lot of hollowness yeah you know we've we've had this conversation with plenty of friends colleagues team members clients most people start with the question how and we had our coach Nagel, right? He would say, you know, you can't ask that question yet, right? You haven't made a decision, so how's irrelevant? And what that naturally comes to is this idea of like, why? Like, what's what's your purpose? What are you trying to achieve? Why? Why are you going for that thing? And why is a little bit like I think it's overused, you know, it, it, the Simon Sinek deal. Like, I think he did. He pioneered it in certain ways and made it really cool. But it got overused and then people kind of like just stayed with the why and they focused all like so much and so intently on the why that they weren't making practical moves towards making that a reality. And it almost split people into two camps where you have one camp that really kind of just thinks a lot. That's very internal and there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of movement. And then there's another group that's very practical, you know, but the practicality can get kind of lost because when it stops working. Or it feels kind of hollow, as you just said, right? Then you're left with a question of like, well, why am I doing any of this? I achieved all this stuff or it was working until a point in time and then it stopped working. Why? Why am I pushing so hard? 
And I feel like those two camps, most people fall into those two camps, one of those two. It's rare to find a person who is very well, I hate the word balanced, but that, that's the idea, right? They're balanced. They have a very strong why, a good North Star, and they also get shit done. Like, did you see that? Do you feel like that that's a real thing? That those two camps kind of being categorical? Um, Maybe disagree. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that's necessarily true because I think that I see a lot of people who have a why. Now, the why may not actually be real. It may be the why in the moment, but it may not actually be real. And that's Mm. what I was saying about engineering this life that maybe you don't actually want, but the why is, well, I think I should do X, Y, and Z, right? Let's take FMRs. FMRs are like the Everest of dentistry, right? If I can understand how to do that, if I can summit that, if I can integrate that into my practice, that's going to be the thing. They're making achievement sort of their, that, that's a, that that's replaces why all the time. Right. Exactly. It means something. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily, okay. and then they, and then there's all this action taken to be able to learn that skill set, to deliver it, to execute it, to have the conversation with the patient, to be comfortable around comfortable enough around money to be able to say the price tag of what that costs, right? Mm-hmm. So there is action and there is a clear North Star. And once they get there, it's like, I don't even think I like doing these. For some <laughs> yeah. people, they don't, right? And other people yeah. fall in love, whatever the case may be. The point is, I think sometimes the why is picked arbitrarily and then it's just, you just set course. Well, I also think that the why is... Um... It's, I think we've talked about this before, where like you look for your purpose and you think your purpose is like a, like a mission statement, you know, for your life, but it's not that simple. And you and I were talking about how it actually, in a lot of ways, like purpose is kind of revealed over time and it may not be even really all that crystallized and super clear until perhaps near the end of your life, why it was that you need to show up there and for that person, why you need to say that one thing. Maybe somebody writes you a letter and like, do you know what I mean? Like there's sometimes looking for the why in things that you can see right now really sells, sells the whole game short. And I say that with regards to even something like an FMR, because if your why is you're thinking like, well, if I do that, then I've achieved something and I, and they'll make more money. And if I have more money, I can do X, Y, or Z. And then you have a case go South, which Anyone who's done an FMR has had that experience. You know, you have something that did not go right and it scares you. I've had it. Mm-hmm. And when it scares you, especially early on, because it's usually early on, you start to ask, maybe this was the wrong goal. And that is really fragile if your why is a singular thing. It has to be deeper. And I think that's why tying it to a lifestyle and to the people that are a part of that lifestyle, the community, you know, and within your home and in your community at large and, and in our field, that matters. That That's going to help you keep going, right? I think it's when things start to get really fun. Explain more. I just think that when you start to have a community, you start to have people that you can cheer on. You start to have people who you see have success and you know what they've been doing in the background because you've been doing it together. Right. Right. That's so exciting. So you took me on a trip to Italy for my 40th birthday. Yeah. This year. We sure did. And we got to go with two of our friends mm-hmm. 
who we met at an event when all four of us were at a very similar starting point in yeah. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have journeyed together for years, a decade now, almost a decade. And watch the four of us build businesses and climb and build our relationships and build our family, build our communities all at the same time. And Mm -hmm. that friendship has been extraordinary for so many reasons from our group chat, right? Cheering each other on like, oh my gosh, the business did this. And you have a place where you can actually tell somebody the business did this. Well, even I think personally, the thing that I like most about this couple is that Culturally, we're really, we came from very different backgrounds. And this couple has kids, same number as we do. And there's overlap in the, in certain areas, like the number of kids and, and parenting styles, but differences in culture and differences in businesses in general. And it's, it's so much fun to find the differences and the commonalities and to learn something like you're constantly learning from people. If when you, when you really look at it, when I'm around them, I feel like I learn, you know, it's not, it's not a dead relationship. It's not like I'm the only one that keeps this thing going or you, I feel like I'm in the presence of people who are fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that to me is what spurs that relationship forward. And that's also what I would look for in community just in general. Right. I like people who, you can make less, you can make more, you can have a family, you can have a family. I just look for people who are going to challenge me. And that speaks to the broader problem, I think, as we talked about at the beginning, whereas you have like a misplacement almost of how you utilize other people. I think most people look at others for acceptance versus accountability um, or for um, comfort versus challenge. And there's nothing wrong with having comfort in certain places, you know, a place to call home. There's nothing wrong with finding acceptance. Absolutely. But you kind of need both. Don't you agree? Like you need that tension of people. You're not going to let you just stay here. You need to challenge yourself. You need to be held accountable to the things that you said you were going to do. And that's what that couple gives us. Oh, absolutely. And it's a place where we've had, we've been able to go with them and grow with them. And that's what I mean. Do you have people that actually are watching your growth, supporting it, cheering it on a place where you can say, Hey, this is working really well. This isn't. And they'll hold it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that is so important in community is not, oh, well, sorry. Good luck with that. Let me know how it works out. I'll see you in a year, whatever it is. But is it people who really have an understanding of your life and are there celebrating and also comforting right. when things are hard, you know? That's right. one of the sweetness. I think that's such a sweetness about having that type of friendship and community. Would you, going back to the original question then, what would our community say thrives about? If you were to pull, if you were to pull them, you know, what is it that we, what's our genesis qual? What's the thing that sets us apart and again, I'm not even going to say this, like, this is what makes you so much better. It's more like, this is the difference, right? This is what makes them unique. What is, what do you think people would say? Well, I, I would, I would have you answer that question. Cause I don't like fundamentally, I don't 
think about what other people say. I think about what I say. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's how I, I mean, you know, my mind does not, my mind, I love that about you. My mind yeah. does not work that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't think for other people. I challenge other people to think for themselves. So I don't play the game. What are other people thinking? I'm only ever thinking about what I'm thinking. You know, I, <laughs> I think it's so, this is actually a great example. Like the yin yang, we just talked about that, right? Accountability versus acceptance. You want to have both. You do. Um, that's one of the great things in marriage too, is that people start to sell into their roles, you know, a little bit and you are very different than I am. And so we, we get to balance one another out and we've said this before about each other. It's that I'm always learning from you too. You're the most fascinating person I've ever met. I feel the same about you. And I think that's what makes it fun to be in marriage together is that we consistently get to not just learn, learn is kind of a boring word. We get to be transformed daily in each other's presence, right? And go through life and build the style of life that we want together and have lots of failures and lots of successes. And I think that's what's, what's really fun. But yeah, to answer your question. Yeah, then, what yeah. do you think that people would say about what we do? So yeah, unlike you... <laughs> <laughs> I care what everyone says. Um, no, I, <laughs> I'm just waiting for your fan mail. I'm just waiting for it guys. Uh, no, not I, me. I'm living me. I'm doing me all the time. She no. writes herself her own fan mail. Um, <laughs> dear Davina, I, I like to keep a pulse. So Devin and I are a little bit similar like this, you know, so we have our reviews at Vita, Google reviews, and we'll screenshot them, Devin more so than I. But we'll screen up and shot them and, and toss them into the group thread with all of our team members. And it's a way of us really showcasing our team because a lot of our patients will shout them out too. But it's important because to me, that's reputation. And as a man, I'm always thinking about that. Like, do my kids uphold the reputation of what it means to be a Dietrich? Like, that's, that's, Agreed. A, that's a really critical piece for yes. me. You're ambassadors for our family. And when you fall short of that, it's not to like go smack you upside the head. It's more like, do you realize the weight that you carry? Do you realize who you are representing? And is that the choice that you really want to make? And our kids are, are, are good, I think, about obviously seeing it, seeing it for what it is. When it comes to our business, I think about a reputation because you're trying to grow that and you're trying to better it. And so if I, if I was to keep a pulse on our community and say, like, what is it that they would really say about us? I would hope that they say a couple of things based upon people I've talked to quite a bit. The first is that we really want you to win. Like we love watching people win. 100%. You know, like seeing, um, we'll shout them out. We've done it a couple of times here, but, but Ray, Ray Ribich, Joy Brower becoming accredited last year, Ray this year in the AACD. That's fun, right? You, you, we worked with them. You know, they took courses and we got to see their development. And then you see them just skyrocket and take care of, take care of business. Absolutely. Like, I love seeing that. And you and I, um, we like to send gifts to people and it's not anything more than uh, we think that people deserve attention when they do things that are attention worthy, you know? So I would hope that that's something that people really do feel that for lack of a better way of putting it, it sound a little cheesy. Like we love them. We love our tribe. And we want to see you win. And then I think the second piece is that we're very truthful. 
like you and I don't pull punches when we're talking to a person. I've literally punched someone before. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to really leave a person with something that stings. I think that's the counter counter side to love. And they may or may not be able to hear it. I think most of the time they can, but that's, I would hope that that's what our community really says. They love us. They love us enough to tell us when we do awesome. And they love us enough to tell us in honesty, yeah, that's not going to work. And you really need to rethink this or you should, you know, focus on the main thing or get back to your fundamentals or whatever it is that we're, we're, we're doing. Oh, for that's sure. What I would say. Yeah. I, I, I love those two things actually. And I think they're really true. I also think that it's also how you and I operate largely with each other. Is Let's there, more. Yeah. there is that factor of celebration and I see you and I see, I see you trying going for more in this area. And there's also you and I within the context of marriage have said some really brutally honest things to each other because mm-hmm. it needed, it was required. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that we yeah. really value, right? It's something that we really value. I value your opinion. Therefore, I want you to be able to be honest with me because you see me the most out of anybody. So if there is a place where my standard is dropping, I want you to tell me that. Right. Right. Yeah. And no one has probably better insight that way. We know from working with people and working with ourselves that when we when we don't see one another, and we don't call out, we're not grateful for what the other person's doing or trying to do, or even avoiding doing, right? Bad habits, whatever it is, that, um, you know, people keep score. That's, that's, a, that's a big problem in most relationships, marriages, teams, right? And oftentimes it's because no one said, hey, I see you. I saw you that you did this, like a great job. And so what ends up happening, and I've seen this a million times, is you start to supplement that with, you know, uh, gestures. In, in offices, it looks like a, a bonus, uh, a gift or whatever. You and I have both worked for docs like that before too, you know, where it's oh replaced my, oh, with, yeah, with one manipulative of, <laughs> yes, tactics. One of my meanest doctors I've ever worked for was the most generous. <laughs> I've known like three or four of them that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was crazy. It was like he would throw stuff at you and tell you that like, <laughs> why don't you understand this? Don't you speak English? And then it was like, oh, here's a, a bonus. And I think it was just being paid for the abuse that you went through. I don't, I, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, that's off tangent. But when I think about that, it was a very crazy time. <laughs> well, I, you know, as a side note, I saw you waving those hands. Nice, nice fingernail polish. I like that. Oh, thank you. Just looking, looking nail polish. Is that what you call it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Fingernail. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, I'm homeschooled. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. No, I think that's just such a, it's just a critical factor is calling people out. And I think that if you really look at people who are really charismatic, that's what they're really good at. It's, and it's not even from a disingenuous place. Is it, that's, that's the language of love that they know is finding little things like I think it's a really great tactic as it were in your practice that when patients walk in like comment something on the way that they're dressed something they're wearing something that way right because people I, I told our staff this other day we did a little training and I said people have two needs and there's a tension between the two and you have to find that balance it is that everyone wants to feel special 
and people don't want to feel special for the wrong reasons. And so what that really looks like is if you have a person who really needs to be kind of picked up in some way, shape or form, you can make them feel really special by commenting on something that they're wearing or the type of patient that they were. I say that all the time. If a person made my job easy, I'm like, you are amazing today. Like, thank you so much for making it easy to work on a pleasure. Like not everyone is Mm. kind, not everyone's grateful. You just need to know that. And you were. So thank you, right? Like make people feel special that way. But then there's other parts and ways in which a person doesn't want to feel sight, like, like put on the out, like special because you're, you're kind of separated. People feel very lonely in our world. And so there's ways of making you part of the group, part of the whole. So you're not special that way. You're actually part of something. You're in a community. And that is also just as important, I think. That's what people need. They need community and they also need to feel like at certain times I'm doing something really well. Yeah, I think that that's really true. Where where do you see dentistry playing a role as far as community? Is there one? It's a fabulous question. Because I know from from conversations that you and I have, dentistry is very isolating. And you can talk about that from the clinical perspective. Yeah. Owning a business, running a team, and doing it largely completely alone. Some people yeah. are lucky enough to have partners. A lot of people are doing all of that 100% by themselves. You know, so until almost three years ago, so I joined uh, Devon April of 2021, and it is tail end of January 2024. So almost three years now. That was a game changer for me because I did, I finally found somebody who I thought challenged me. Um, who's very talented as a clinician, very efficient, very fast, much faster than I am. Um, Excellent with patients, great verbiage, good leader, great businessman, all those things. Can I interrupt you for one second? Yeah. Let me ask you, why do you think that you you work so well with this partnership? Because you're not actually a partner kind of guy. (laughs) That is actually, so for those of you listening... That's one of the most insightful questions I've never ever been asked because that's really, really true. So I want you to talk a bit about that because I think a lot of people are going to say, I'm not a partner kind of person. Maybe you are, but I'm not. And I could never do that. I could never give up control. My practice, I like the way things are. No one's really on my level. So how do you fit into this really amazing partnership, not being a partner kind of guy? (laughs) That kind of guy. Uh, actually the answer is probably more simple than, than you might think. So the first piece, I am definitely a lone wolf in most everything that I do. And I prefer it that way. I prefer it that way because I've hated group projects since I was a kid. I think they're the worst thing ever because I always did all the work and you know, people who hate group projects, that's usually why they hate it. They do all the work or there's infighting. It's not efficient. You feel like you're just like pulling teeth. It's miserable. You don't enjoy it. Um, but I also found very early on, and actually you, you can speak to a little bit too, but it's been a real journey for me to kind of embrace and understand um, that I was meant to lead. And, you know, I, I used to have a really hard time saying that. 
because I try to like appease people. But I'm a very, I have very strong opinions about things, and a very specific requirements for what I think is going to change the game, what I think is going to be visionary, and as a result, it doesn't make a lot of people super happy. And coming from a more people pleasing type of place, mm. it was really difficult to embrace the fact. And, and what I would do is I would just, I put myself down. I try to diminish things. I try to make my idea work within their construct. And I have found through, I don't know how many failed joint ventures. I mean, how many dozens? It's like, how many times you have to learn this lesson? <laughs> you've told me that before. Speaking of brutal honesty, you've been like that. Where you're like, when are you going to stop doing this to you slash me? <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason why it works with Devin is that one, I'm not like below him and that's, that's critical. Like I, I don't think I do really well in that in any capacity except for church. What does that mean below him? In terms of the hierarchy of decision-making. Okay. Okay. So not in terms of value or worth or anything else. It's that who makes the decisions. Um, well, like- counterpoint, most people would say partnerships are a 50-50, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. how is this different? Yeah. So in a 50-50, we both make decisions, but we make them in very different ways. So one of the ways that Devin and I have really structured this that I think makes it work well is that I know what he's better at and I know what I'm better at. And we make decisions in those two ways with the same heartbeat and the same vision for where we're going as a whole. But I trust him to make decisions on marketing that I don't need to be there for. And he trusts me to make decisions on team and culture and training that he doesn't have to be there for. So there's uh, and patient experience, right? Like I know that business-wise and numbers-wise, he's, he's great at that. He's going to do awesome. So there's a mutual trust, but we're also not stepping on each other's toes. It's not like taking a poll to see if it's going to work. And that's what's made this such a fun and very enjoyable and very successful relationship is that Devin didn't like second guess me the whole way. He actually was very much like, here's the keys, like do what you're going to do, which could have gone really bad for him. Right. But I think we just found that we're both, he's very generous with me and I'm very generous, generous with him. And there's just that trust. There's a mutual trust and like, it'll all work out. We're going to, we're going to build something special together. Hmm. But that's really one of the only places where that's the case. You know, I would say our marriage is about the only other spot where like I have a partner and there's somebody that I really trust that you do some things so much better than me. It's it's stupid. So why would I even try to assert myself? But knowing what you're really good at and playing second fiddle to somebody else is always going to hurt you. I don't care who you are as you're listening to this. If there's something you're really good at and you're playing second fiddle to somebody else. Pretending like you're not good at that thing. Yeah. Like, or saying, oh yeah, well let's, let's figure this out when you know, when you know, like, you know, like, you know, I know what's right in this situation. That's lifestyle to the purpose of this combo, right? You can't build your style of life if you're listening to somebody else constantly in the area that is probably the one that makes you the most different, that makes your lifestyle it's what gives your life style, mm. right? So, yeah, I think you got to own who you are. You got to own it. You got to be proud of it. You be excited about it, and you also have to have, of course, I think a certain degree of humility. In that humility, meaning that you're willing to adapt and learn and iterate. You got to be willing. Yeah, for sure. 
But yeah. I like what you said about you have to own those pieces that do make you weird or different. Yeah. And the things that you, the, the things that you quite honestly really enjoy about yourself. And those are probably the places where you've heard tone it down, tame it down. Maybe mm-hmm. you shouldn't be so extra around those things. Right. I totally are those places where you've been told to, you know, as you said, just growing up, are those areas working in a group, making people pleasing, whatever that you've been told to tone down in order to fit in? Yeah. And, and I don't even look back with any animosity towards any of my upbringing or people that trained me in this way, that way, the other. I mean, I was on, I don't know how many soccer teams played in college and there's an element of just being on a team, right? Like you got to know how to be a good teammate. You got to know how to play as a group and as a unit. But I was a captain on everyone because that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be the person taking orders from somebody else. I wanted to be giving them. <laughs> just the way it was yeah no I, I i get that but it showed up for me different which is i'll just be alone <laughs> so so my version can do me boo. right my version of that isn't how do i be the captain of the team it's i actually will just live alone be alone do everything alone and then i don't have to take a pull from anybody and i get to just do me Oh my gosh. Nothing tells that story better at the restaurant. Like when you're like, this is just the way I'm going to do me. and not going to let anyone else know. Like you're the restaurant that you like loved in college. Oh yeah. So I had this. This is just a funny story. I had this. <laughs> there was this restaurant. It was a Chinese restaurant in, that I had in college. It was absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh. It was so, it was so incredible. And my roommate at the time, who was also my best friend from high school, I would ask, I would tell her, I'm going to go out and eat Chinese food. Would you like me to bring you something back? She's like, the food's amazing. Where is this place? And I would tell her, I I won't tell you where it is. I will not share the location (laughs) with you. I'm not telling anybody because I don't want to run into anyone I know there. It's my place. I found it. And I like to go and eat there alone and read my book and be in peace. And I don't want to run in to you or to anybody else. So if you would like me to pick up food, I will, but I will not tell you what the restaurant is. And uh, then the restaurant closed down. And <laughs> There were too many Davinas frequenting this place. <laughs> and I, Tell your friends, I won't. Bye. <laughs> it's, it's dumb, but I really do. I'm like, man, I feel really bad for being responsible for that. I like to gatekeep. I do. I, I, I like to gatekeep. Do you know what that means? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know because sometimes no, I'm, you know. I'm sorry. I'm like, my mind's going to like how ridiculous. I'm just have a visual of this no, entire story. I like to gatekeep. And I know that's not a popular thing to say. Cause it's like, Oh, just, you know, like give everybody everything. It's like, no, yeah. when you find something, when you're you, curating. Yes. When you curate how you like things and then people who don't have their own, their own vibe, their own personality, whatever it is, they're like, Oh, just give me that thing right? What perfume are you wearing? Where'd you buy that shirt? Where is it? Where do, where do you get this? And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm a gatekeeper. I'm not going to tell you everything. You don't get a copy mm. and paste me onto you. No, you do not. <laughs> no, you do. Well, <laughs> nowhere is this more apparent, I think, than, than honestly in, in, in business. Maybe we'll take a smaller approach first. Think friend groups. There are certain friends that you have from certain areas and seasons of your life that you have experiences with, that you have in jokes with, like everything's good that way. And then you have new friends or from different sectors of business, whatever else it is. And they don't necessarily play well together, 
right? Mm-hmm. They're completely different. And so it's important to curate those groups. You're not choosing one over another. It's just that you are, y'all aren't going to play great in the sandbox. So I'm going to separate this group over here and this group over here, and you're going to have a different experience with each of those. Business is the same thing. Vita is not trying to serve all of Santa Fe, every single person in Santa Fe. We're not for all of them. Right. Right. If you're for everybody, you're for nobody. So I, I don't think anything's wrong with, with gatekeeping, well, but it's, it's just say, knowing what you're. Yes. I will say how to use it. I don't gatekeep. It's not, it's not across the board. There are certain places where I don't gatekeep. And what I notice is I don't gatekeep when I am talking to somebody who has their own strong opinions about something. Because I can okay. give, I can say, oh yeah, I bought this hat here. And if that hat is not for them, they're not going to go out and buy that hat, right? They're so strong in who they are and what they want right. that they're not going to do something based on whether I say something or whether I don't. It's very, it's, right. it's irrelevant to them. So then there's no mm-hmm. point in gatekeeping because they're curators as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This brings up a great distinction and a pearl for, for those listening that, I think it's important. And that is knowing how to use a strength and how not to use a strength. I had an email about that relatively recently, right? About knowing when your superpower is to be wielded in one place and it can be amazing. And in another can be really deleterious to your results and like totally screw things up, right? You have this curation side to you and it can fail a business. In, in like you know like a, your restaurant can go down where a gatekeep to the point of doors closing <laughs> doors closing but it also can curate an incredible community where those who would be bad apples and and corrupt that community you have that like that mother's nurturing curation and you have you know like i always think about it when i see you like picking out outfits and you're talking to kyra our daughter about that and there's a, there's a curation side of things that like, this will go with this, but this won't go with that. And in picking ensembles and all the rest, and that's a talent. That's a gift and used in the right way. It's, it's electric. It's completely magnetic. I think for myself being, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be the leader. That's great. Until you go totally DIY where it's like, I don't need anyone's help. I'm going to be a lone wolf. It's going to be my party. Yeah. And then you burn out and you're exhausted, and you're tired, and you're wondering why no one wants to help you. <laughs> right, right, right. But it can also be, you don't want a visionary who's like, let's take a poll and see where the community wants to go with things. That's not the way to lead, right? It's You don't lead by polls. So there's strengths to using it the right way, and there's weaknesses to using it the wrong way. Absolutely. And I think if you start to look back, right, in retrospect over your life, you start to learn where those lessons are. You can see them very clearly. So it's not something that has to be a mystery. If you take some time and you really start to look at, okay, what is my strength? Where did it work out really well for me? And where did it actually sink the ship? You can find evidence for both. And then you start to compile, okay, this is when it seems to be working really well. Here's how I use this as a strength. Here's when it shows up and I use it in this way. And here's how it always fails. You and I have had this conversation and we, I'm not sure if we've ever had a super strong consensus together on this, but it's the idea of do people ever really change? And I bring that up because 
when you think about who you've been and you said like, did it work here? Did it fail me here? How early on do you think people know these elements or experience these elements working for them or against them? Like how early on in their life do they start to show up? And does it, is it the way you're programmed or do you evolve over time and change? Can you change your color over, over time? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I think it's both. I think that you have a really strong sense of who you are, even starting as a child, right? But it depends on how it's showing up in your family and whether it, that thing is accepted or not in your family. Okay. Because then it'll get trained out of you. Give me an example. Right? So if you're bright and shiny in your family and you're trying to be a leader, and uh, we've talked about this, and you have four sisters, you're going to be told to tone that down. She's talking about me, guys. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm talking about... That's what, well, I, that's why I said we've, we've talked about yeah, this. Yeah. Right? We, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about this. Right. For me, I was an only child. So me being very internal and not wanting to do anything, and my parents were largely not trying to make a bunch of friends either... Me being internal and gatekeeping wasn't discouraged in my family. It was actually, (laughs) right? So it was like, I started off that way. I started off that way. And then it wasn't discouraged. It was encouraged, actually, because my parents weren't like, hey, you should go make friends. They were like, yeah, sit there and draw and be quiet. This is great for us. Great for you. So I was like, perfect. You leave me alone. I leave you alone. This is like (laughs) in, right? So that worked really well. So I think you start to get a semblance of who you are when you are young and whatever family you're placed into is either going to encourage it or discourage it based on how it's presenting. Right, right. Based on how it's presenting, right? So hmm. you and I had this conversation because we've talked, I don't know if we've we've talked about this. I don't think we've, you sent out an email-ish. But our son, our oldest son, yeah. we call him a contrarian. He is a contrarian. Right? So He would disagree like, with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? So our son's a contrarian. So you're like, oh, it's a beautiful day outside. No, it isn't. It's a beautiful day outside. Did you know there's a 45% chance of rain? Right? So it, it's this. Now that can be really powerful in certain situations, especially when you know that you're right about something and everybody else, he said it the other day in math. I said, okay, when is being a contrarian a good thing? And he's like, well, I was in math the other day and I said the answer was this. And everyone was like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And he stood by it and he was the only one who got it right. Hmm. He wasn't swayed because literally he was the last man standing dying on the hill for this answer. He was like, nope, this is it. I'm standing by it. So there are times, right, where that contrarian part of him is incredible. And then there are other times where the food is salty to him just to be salty, right? Like just... Just to just to just, make sure he doesn't lose that strength. Yeah, right? just <laughs> gotta feed that monster. Exactly, just to keep lifting that bicep, right? Just, right? So yeah, I told him with, with, with regards to... And I put this in the email. But, you know, when it comes to your convictions, conviction, that word means with certainty of victory. And I love, I love that word. But that is kind of what he has in spades without having to work on it. And what we've had to work on with him is where do you use it and where do you not, right? Because having that sort of uh, discernment is, is critical. Because, as I said in the email, and I think what we've noticed is that it can come across like disrespect or not caring okay. when you're so hard lined about something, especially things that don't matter or something that has to deal with another person's perception that is not trying to take you down, but trying to perhaps correct or, or 
challenge a piece of you that could use some work. And so, yeah, it was an interesting example, I think. Yeah. So to go back to your original question, I think that we have gifts that we're given and I think that we can use those for, for good or for bad, Yeah. right? For lack of better, a better term, right? You can be a contrarian for really amazing things and you can also be a contrarian and cause, you know, problems. So I think that we're all given a set of gifts that we can use however way we want to use them, depending on the type of result that we're trying to get. Mm -hmm. Where I do think that we get the opportunity to change is when we start understanding how to use them for purposes of which they were intended. Yeah. Right? So I think that's how we start to change. And I think that's how we start to create and reinvent ourselves as people. So those Mm -hmm. gifts may stay the same, but we start to use them in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. They supercharge. Yeah. You start to do. Yes. You start to use them in different ways. And from then you can continue to reinvent the person that you are and get completely different results. Mm -hmm. But I think that the, the core of the thing is the same. We had started down this road, got a little bit sidetracked, but I liked the question or the idea of like, what, what does dentistry need now? Like where, where is it? You're talking about communities where people can go, you know, and are there places, are there places in dentistry where you can find the right kind of support that you need? And it's an interesting question because I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Right. So we tend to congregate with people who are like us. And I think that that is acceptance. That is comfort. That is, that's great. There's a time and place for that. There's also places that will congregate because we know that we're going to get kind of, you know, held to a higher standard. Awesome. That's great too. It's very difficult to find a place that has both. And it's very difficult to find a place that allows you also to be you. Most communities in dentistry, from Facebook to Dentaltown to um, Instagram as, I guess, a a version of a community, you know, all social social media has some version of that. Um, There are obviously groups of people from ACD to you name it. They all have a a core group or philosophy. And And I like that, but it's very difficult to find a place that gives you the full latitude to be expressive in the way that you really are. So if you're looking for that and you're looking for guidance on how to best be that, not guidance to edit you while also finding some mixture of support, that's pretty much impossible. I don't think that that really exists in dentistry as of right now. Um, Do you disagree? What do you think? No, I I agree with that. At least, for you and I, we have not, that's not something that I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm saying that you, we don't know about it if it does. Right. Right. And I'm for you and I finding that type of group has only come outside of dentistry. That So yeah, it's only come outside of dentistry and our friends that we were talking about that we went to Italy, we pay for those friends. <laughs> right. Yeah, some, so of, some of yeah, our, yeah. don't hear that the wrong way. Yeah. Some, some of our really like those kind kinds of friendships we've paid for, meaning that we've yeah. paid to be in a room to be able to meet like-minded yeah. people. We didn't just bump into them and say, Oh, you know, like you, you can't do that. All of the best communities are paid for quite honestly, all of them. I mean, even 
let's say that you go to an, uh, an implant continuum or you go to Coist or, or Spear or whatever else it is, you're paying for that group of people who think the same thing or are striving for something similar, right? Um, there's an entrance fee, even from clubs to anything else. Like that is the way that that goes. That said, I think that the type of people you want to be around and the type of you're paying for can sometimes be different. You might be paying for something and not necessarily have the quality, again, of accountability that you that you really need. Like you may not truly know what you need. Going back to trying to carve out a life that might be a carbon copy of somebody else's. And I think it's one of the things that you do really, really well, babe. Like not to overly emphasize this, but I think with your clients, the thing that is a gift that you have is how unattached and unbiased you are when it comes to giving them the kind of support, guidance, and advice that is required to get them to be them, Mm, right? The more biased you are, you're going to start to put your little spin on things and they start to become a little more like you. And that's not the goal for you. I, I think that's... No, my clients are anything like me. <laughs> like by the time they're done, they're not more like me. No, they're more like themselves. Yes, that's exactly like it. I'm like, them. yes, it's not like, oh, okay, now we've spent a year together. Like you and I look like twins. You know, that's not, no, not even close. No, no, it's not. So yeah, I, I think that that's, sometimes you have to have a higher level of support to really find out who you are and therefore then really start to find out who the best group of people is to be around. You know, it's so overused at this point in time. You heard it in a million places, I'm sure, but you are the amalgamation of the five closest people to you. And I think that's really true. You do think that's true? Uh, I do. I think that based upon, based upon, uh, the time spent, physical time spent. Yeah, I do. Because people rub off on one another. Absolutely. You okay, know? so what if, but what if you're a loner person? Like, I don't. What, what if you're a loner? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, you still have, you still have inputs. Everyone has inputs. Maybe I know, but there's not five. There's, <laughs> there's not five. What was the You watch the one and only Instagram account ever that's never go to a different one? Of course not. Like, no, but you were saying something to me today, or you were like trying to set up a scenario, and you were like, what if you had two friends and you couldn't even think of a second one for me? <laughs> yeah, that was last night. We were, we were watching Society of the Snow. And I was like, okay, if you had two friends and one of them wanted to go out in the snow and you're like, no, you need to stay here. <laughs> and I couldn't think of a second friend. Um, <laughs> side, like Absolute sidebar. That movie was incredible. If you're so looking good. for a movie to watch. So good. Absolutely incredible. Hard to watch at times, but gosh. Oh. Like the the human spirit and the fight. Talk about community. I mean, that was really a group that just, they just looked out. I mean, it, it was, oh gosh, that way it was filmed too. It was so human, I told you. Everything like the director about it. just crushed it. Like you felt so many emotions. Absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for a movie to watch, that is well worth your time. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, no community, you and I've been talking about community a lot, which as a sidebar, just for everybody, we are, we are working on something, have been for quite some time now on this front. Um, as a solution, because we haven't found anything like it. There isn't anything that we think quite embodies what is in best and highest service to our colleagues. Yeah, the people absolutely. we call friends. 
we just don't see it. Um, see pieces of it. I think people have tried and they've done certain things really, really well. And then other things just didn't come together. Right. I also think that it's a, it's a product of time. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, bettered by technology, you know, and certain advancements, which brings up another piece. And that is in dentistry too. There's so much, you said it earlier, we, we kind of run these solo practices largely. I have the benefit of working with a very good friend now and running ideas off and driving together and all that. So there's a lot of camaraderie, but for a lot of dentists, you kind of plug in and plug out. We know, we know this is the case. We used to live this life. We used to have this type of practice and the people you're spending eight hours a day with are team members who you love, but you might not have that much in common with quite honestly. Right. And it can feel really lonely, like really lonely. And then your person, when you come home, girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse could just feel like you don't, I can't share it. You know, they didn't go through the same things or you don't want to by or that, you want to, you're done right? Like at that point in the day, you're like, please don't talk to me about this. And the other person may actually really want you to share. Yeah. They're like, tell me about your day. And you're like, I cannot relive it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard the first time. <laughs> right? like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is not to say that everyone's life sucks by answer, but it, but yeah, there, there are elements that are just hard. Like even in, even in camaraderie, even in, there's days where Devin and I was like, man, I'm done with this day, bro. <laughs> like it's been enough. Like I'm, I'm just done with it. So doing that alone so hard so hard to do and you add to that the it's just a byproduct of, of technology but we're further isolated than we've ever been and i know that that's kind of cliched too people talk about that like technology isolates but really it has trained habits in us as human beings to feed ourselves without human interaction or the way i experience it too is that people are less willing to do things with you in person. So even if you're an mm-hmm. in-person person, right? and hey, do you want to do something? People are like, meh, or hope you cancel or whatever it is. And then, yeah. you know, when you're trying to set something up, you're like, forget it. For, right. ab- absolutely forget it. This is becoming so difficult well, it's to laborious. do. Yeah. Right? It's becoming yeah. so difficult to do, which is what I really actually appreciate about a lot of live events that are still being run in dentistry. Agreed. That people Agreed. that people are still have the willingness to get on a plane, get out, go see people in real life. I love that. I do too. I love I being it's my I, favorite. I do. I love being in person with other dentists because I think dentists are incredible. I think they're such cool people. They're wildly multi passionate. I was just like I told you I was yeah, on a podcast earlier this morning and the gentleman I was being interviewed by, not a dentist, but a brilliant MBA type mind and also um, could easily crush it as a dentist, like phenomenal personality, loves dentistry. And he was talking about, we were talking about community. It came up again in that. And he was saying how it's really rare that dentists have so much touch in terms of community involvement far more than most businesses do you know if you're a hardware store someone comes in for a thing they done it's done it's over maybe you don't see them again for years if you're a physician it's quick it's easy it's like 10 minutes in out you're usually coming in because of some other problem you're not on maintenance you know but with dentistry you're a small business owner who sees your community at least two times a year 
and typically for 30, 45, an hour at times. That's really rare. It's really, really rare. And so you add that element with managing a team, managing a small business, having a very definable skill set, something that is an immediate gratification to people, right? You're not just signing a prescription pad. There's so many layers to it on top of what you really point out a lot, which is all these incredible hobbies, talents, hidden gifts that they had and possessed in spades prior to dental school. Then you commit your life to this field and nine times out of 10, you have to sideline those things in order to pursue your craft, but they're still there lurking in the closet. All those things that made you, you, it's a very unique group of people. It really is. I love it. So speaking of, you and I are going to ASCV in Maryland. That's good. Yeah, it is in Maryland. You're right. In Maryland, right? Going to get myself some in April. Some crab cakes. In April. Yeah. And I'm so excited about that. Tell me why you're excited. I have the most fun at ASCD. I have the most fun. It is a fun conference. It's it's super fun, and that's what I'm telling you. I always meet people. I have the best conversations there. Everyone's always up to something like. Very random, very unique. I yeah. I I love That's it. True. I learned so much about people there. I just love it. The things that they're into. I I like seeing the way people dress there. I love that yeah. too. There's some good style. Dentists turn out. They do. They turn, they turn up turn. and they turn out. They yeah. And I, I love it. I love it. It I, is fun. I think it's so. On top of, you know, the ones who are there presenting, beautiful cases. You get into a conversation. They're always up to something different. There's a side business. To your point, there's a hobby. There is a, oh, I race cars. Oh, I'm a sommelier. Oh, I'm a... Absolutely incredible. I love it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There is... And, you know, to the ACD's credit, we know a lot of the team there. Because um, we've been to the ACD just about every year for the last 10. We have a lot of time spent with them. And it's a group that really cares. That team works around the clock. Like we were talking to Mike, right? Remember? And and he was just like, <laughs> how much time was spent planning the next one? Like they were going to take a week off and then start planning, you know, a week after the that one Absolutely. ended right. yeah. for the next one. Yep. Event ends next day. We're back to planning the next event. Incredible. Like that is, that is commitment. That is, that is incredible commitment to when, let's just say it, like putting on a live event, we, we do it. We it's do. a ton of work. It is. Is it worth it? Yes. But when it's all done, you're glad it's done because you are like, wow, I am beat. Yeah. <laughs> you're exhausted. And it's like what is like planning a wedding, you know? And so just a hats off to each and every one of them there on that team. Um, Talked about from president all the way down. They do an incredible job, but it is, it's so much fun because it's, because it's an event. It's not just your day to day. You can get it whenever you want. It's, a special four day type deal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm planning already. I'm, I'm ready <laughs> actually, to go. You've planned for a long, the, actually, I'm going to tell you guys something. This is interesting. So I am, um, we had, I think we, we, we mentioned that it might happen. We didn't know though, but you knew, you knew, I, I didn't know. Um, I am going to be speaking at the ACD this year. Yes, you are. I'm going to have two workshops. Um, it's the same workshop, but it's going to be uh, two of them. <laughs> Just in case anyone was wondering, <laughs> which none of you were. You all knew what was going on. Um, Three-hour workshops, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that if we have some time. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit what we're going to be talking about. But this is the cool thing. I did not have a slot to speak at this. 
I've sp spoken at the ACD and lectured, but I think this will be now the fifth time, fourth or fifth time. Mm -hmm. And I love it. It's always fun. But I didn't necessarily have plans of speaking this year. One or two. It just wasn't, it hadn't been arranged yet. Didn't know if it was full already. And Davina had already curated an outfit. A very special outfit. Actually, probably one of a couple, I'm guessing. Yeah, I already, I already know what I'm wearing for, <laughs> for, for the different events at ACD. Yeah. Um, and so she shows it to me, and I was like, that's amazing. What's this for? And she's like, it's for the ACD when you speak there. And I was like, I, I, I'm not speaking there. I, I have not been invited to. And uh, she's like, oh, no, you will be. I just know you will be. And I was like, do you did you get a DM that I didn't get? Do we... <laughs> Well, no, so you didn't, to, right? So, no, nothing. But to the point of community, how this started for me was Ray, Dr. Ray Ribich, saying that he was going to be, he, I didn't think he had final confirmation, but it was like, I am slated to walk across the stage and get accreditation. Right. But it wasn't like official yeah but but knowing ray i was like it's official right in my head i'm like <laughs> yeah okay maybe yeah. they haven't like hit send on your email but you're you're good we're good but you're in it you're yeah, locked yeah you're good we're good so the decision for you to speak at aacd came well the decision for me is what i should say right. came when i knew that ray was going to be accepting his award because i'm like well duh we'll we'll be there because i want to see yeah. him get his award i really wanted to see that you really wanted to see that and it just also makes sense that you would be speaking, so we get to see him get accredited, and you speak at the same time. Right. So in my head, it was like, "Oh, this is done. I'm just waiting for the rest of the world to catch up." <laughs> I here's the deal. I mean, just full transparency for y'all listening. I I borrowed her confidence until I was able to have my own, and I think that that's largely your role as a coach is what people do. And that's largely our role as as leaders in CE and and in education and community. That's what that's what we're supposed to do. Well, there's just certain things that you know. There are just certain. I mean, I, I didn't see. That's what I'm saying. Like, no, I, right. You well, had confidence I when I didn't have that. I was like, you know, I don't. I'm not slated to speak. No one's asked me to, so I don't think that that's happening. You know, I haven't had a company come to me and say, "Let's go do this." There's just right. certain <laughs> things that you. There are just certain things that you know. That's what I'm saying. There are certain things that you know. And you wait for other people to catch up. And that, to your point, that is my job. It's to hold that line and to not be yeah. shaky around it. That is probably the perfect bow on this conversation in many ways, which is no one should be more sure of the style of life that you want to create than you. Mm. Which means that when you really sit down with that and you start to map out like, that's this is what I want. I had that conversation with the gentleman today where he's like, well, how did you guys do like genuinely? How, how do you produce as much as you do three days a week? Like, how's that humanly possible? I think the words he usually, he, he used were you guys are monsters. And I, I didn't hear that as like, Oh my, you're so special. You're so amazing. You're so amazing. It, not at all. It was actually very, very like basic math. Devin and I actually are kind of lazy. Like we were like, well, I'm going to go lecture five times next year and I'm going to, you know, I don't really want to work any more than three days. How about you? Nah, I don't either. Well, what did I, <laughs> what did I tell you? I said, you're very normal people doing an abnormal thing. <laughs> it's not even an abnormal thing. We're doing something abnormally, you know, like it's, it's like most people just don't take the time to map out their year. We do. We've done that for forever. Yeah. 
but we mapped out a year and we said we want to hit this number and we want to take this number of days off, which means we're going to be in the office this number of days. So you divide it. But I think that's why we love teaching. It's because it doesn't have to be this complicated. It doesn't have to be this mysterious, right? You designing your life the way that you want it, making the kind of money that you want to make. Let's do some things and get that system in place and solidified for you. Right. Yeah. But for so long, how, I mean, we've, we can talk about this on the next podcast because I think it'll open up a can of worms, but we've talked about the only option in dentistry has been to Frankenstein something. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can talk about that on the next, the next podcast. Yeah, because I think it's actually really, we need to talk about that next podcast. It's come up so many times recently, so many times, like easily a dozen in the last conversations over the past two to three weeks. But Frankensteining, what you end up with is you end up with a fractionated, Frankensteined life. You get Frankenstein results. Um, Frankenstein inputs, Frankenstein outputs. And that's, that's a dangerous place to be in because you don't really know where anything is. You can't measure what's, what created what. And you start to wonder if it's all tied together, if it's chaotic, was it environment that created this? And that leaves you with a lot of question marks and therefore a lot of stress. And it's very difficult to create from that space. So lots we could talk about on that front. Yeah, I think that that, yeah, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. But I think that that's really true. And in defense of Dennis, there have not been, there's not an option to do anything no. other than Frankenstein. No, that's actually right? very much the way it so has we're been So sa- we're saying that with there are no options, which to the point of that, you and I have went outside of industry to get answers because industry, dentistry had no answers for problems we were trying to solve. Yeah. Had no answers for us. No synthesis, right? No, no, yeah. No right, so we had to go cross industries to get answers to apply them to dentistry. There are occlusal, the best people who've done this, are genuinely occlusion-based continuums, like adopt this philosophy, right? No one does that for life creation. What's the kind of life that you want? Well, then here's how you have to, these are the things you have to do in order to create the life that you want and perform at this level and create these kinds of results and have this sort of reputation and have patients say these kinds of things about you and leave this kind of legacy and you have your practice be worth X. No one does that. Because they don't, I think it leaves dentists pretty lost, including myself. We were we were all there, and until we started to really, like you said, go outside dentistry and ask very tough questions, spend lots of money to figure out. Oh, actually, it's not quite as hard as we were led to believe. Kind of like occlusion, not as hard as you were led to believe. Mm-hmm. Feels chaotic, feels crazy, feels a little bit like magic, and the truth is, it's actually far more systematic than you could possibly imagine. So it's good things like, for us to talk about. It's like our ortho class in dental school where every well, answer was referred refer. to. The, <laughs> so in dental school, we had an ortho class and every answer, literally every answer on the test was you're a stupid general dentist. So you need to circle E, refer to a specialist. It's like, what should you do if it do- doesn't matter? Refer it, refer it. I know. Got a hundred percent in that class. Just ease down the, down the, <laughs> the scan right? Just refer yeah. So anyway, I think um, hopefully this was helpful today because I I think if people really do sit with what we're talking about, there is so much meat on the bone. That's fun. It's fun to, to, to chew at this a little bit and figure out what kind of life that you really, really want. 
And then you reverse engineer it. You just say like, what would I need to do? Like I said with Devin and I in the practice, it's like, you want to hit this number and you want to take this number of days off, divide. Now I know what I have to produce each hour. And to produce that each hour, I'm going to have to present X amount because I know the percentages equate to this. And then I know if I'm going to get a little bit better at that and not be stressed, I'm going to have to be, my soft skill sets are going to have to increase. My efficiency will have to increase. What that does is it challenges you. And so then you get to make a game of it. At the very least, it gives you an idea of where you need to go to work instead of throwing spaghetti at the ball. Totally. Right? And then you can feel fast. You're like, oh, that didn't work. And this is what happened this month. Okay, we got to change some things around. And that is how you achieve while also having a good time, where it's not achievement-based, but it's lifestyle-based. Mm, I love that. So I think that that's, that's kind of the neat bow for this whole thing. Um, AECD, 3rd through 6th, right? April 3rd through the 6th in Maryland. I'll have two workshops. If you're on my email list, I will let you know um, a little bit more about that. But the lecture is going to be awesome. It's entitled From Mechanic to Magician. That was a little Davina bit right there. But what from, was you originally? I just requoted you. That's true. Seven it was years later. Back. Yeah, well, seven years ago. <laughs> We're circling back around. But no, from mechanic to magician, and it is the data sets. So it's the ten skill sets, data sets, and mindsets that you will need to really embody to be irreplaceable by twenty twenty seven. It's a three-year game plan. I'm super excited about it. The other thing that I really love that you do is that you and Devin actually show practice metrics. Yeah. Which nobody does. And not just the production numbers, like case acceptance and pre, yes, like yeah, pre-appointments. Practice and, metrics. You guys are going to be showing practice metrics. As yeah, you Devin's just... going to be there too. He's, he's teaching with me. Yep. So you guys are going to be showing practice metrics, which nobody does. Nobody does it. Y- yep. And I'm probably, you're going to be there too, obviously. And the last time that we were at the ACD, mm-hmm. how much of that three-hour workshop was answering questions? Uh, like the majority. Like two hours easily of a three-hour workshop was asking was answering questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what we love. We love it because that's engagement. It was so much fun. And I'm hoping for a similar thing this time because I think the more questions you guys can ask, it's just going to be that much more indulgent, you know, uh, on a on a learning level. So, well, to the point we want them to be able to take these things, apply it to their practice and get instant feedback. Right. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, plenty, plenty to hear about there. Stay focused, stay intent on our, um, on our platforms and email and all the rest because big news coming your way. Like very big news. We've been working on this for well, a long time. Yes. We're so, we're we're so excited. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of things we have coming for you guys this year. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll be tuning in again next time. Bye.